This is the Negro League Podcast with Preach James. Gentlemen, this is the Negro League podcast. I go by the name of Preach Jacobs. We are sponsored by Mo Better Soul Clothing. Go to mobettersoul.bigcartel.com. Enter in the code NEGRO to save 10% on your next order, motherfucker. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we've been on this podcast, and it might sound a little weird because we're doing this kind of like, uh, I guess you would say, guerrilla style. Um, I'm up here in NC working on some new music with the homie Chris Charles, uh, which by today... When, while we record this, we hit 10,000 streams of our new record, Wins, featuring Georgia Ann Muldrow. Shout out to Georgia Ann Muldrow. If you haven't listened to the record, uh, please check us out on Spotify, iTunes, and all that good stuff. And I think I'll put the song at the end of the podcast. But we have a special guest in the building. And we're in a really nice room with a lot of space. So if you hear all this air in this motherfucker, that's why it's going on. So I'm giving you all you guys the qualifiers in case the audio don't sound right. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the homie, Tobias Rose. What's going on? All right, that's the Negro League podcast. We got <laughs> <laughs> Hello, no, nah, this is the, you know the, the whole joint, the Fifth Element joint. You yeah, know that yeah, Fifth yeah. Element. When when go- I need that gum. If my breath smells like food, I'm sorry, I tried. Okay, okay, um, we got we got some gum right here. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Oh yeah. <laughs> look at that. That looks fancy. What is it? Really? I like your accent. Really? Where you from? I knew you were going to say Goldsboro. <laughs> I knew it. He set you up just to I make fun it. of you. <laughs> it was this girl in school with me uh-huh. with the same accent. So at NCCU, it was this girl that had the same exact accent. And I used to just ask her questions just to hear her talk because I love her accent. Uh, <laughs> He'd be like, what's your favorite color? <laughs> oh, blue? You're right. Well, we were, well, we were studying art, so that would have been a valid yeah. question. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, so where do we go from here? So the people, the people that don't know you, for my two listeners, hey, mama, um, tell us about what you do, who you is, what you do, and uh, what you're working on now. All right. So my name is Tobias Rose. I'm the principal and the creative director of a creative agency here in Durham, North Carolina, known as Complex Creative. And so uh, we've been around now, I, I think I just found out, uh, roughly 15 or, or more years. So that was uh, surprising to find out tonight. <laughs> I didn't know I was that old. So I've been doing this for a while. Uh, we started out doing a lot of artwork for you know musicians in the area, a lot of my friends. Uh, then that moved on into doing a lot of work with small businesses, larger enterprises like Duke University. And then outside of Complex Creative, I tend to get my hands dirty in a little bit of economic development. So I also sit on the board of directors for the Greater Durham Chamber of Commerce. Uh, I teach at UNC's, uh, I believe it's now called the Hussman School of Media and Journalism at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I think I got all that correct. So how does like your involvement as a hip hop dude in hip hop culture, how do you apply it when you're getting on situations that include boards, include not just doing music or, or art programming, but also with, you know, development to the, the greater uh, Durham area stuff. Because a lot of people don't think about that. Because, like, in Columbia, 
I just got on my first couple of boards with one of the, the, the great theaters there. And we also have like a, a arts commission, 701 CCA, Columbia uh, Contemporary Artists. And, and I think that as a young hip hop dude, we don't think about the importance of shit like boards and stuff like that. But how does that, you know, translate into you kind of uh, trying to have your impact in the city? That's not something that everybody our age would do. Well, I think that with me, I'd like to say that I'm a student of hip hop, like a, a real, authentic student of hip hop. And, and there's so many things that I've learned. For example, uh, you know, one of the simplest things that we learn in hip hop is to keep it real. Mm. You know, keeping it real, being authentic. Uh, when I'm in those board meetings and when I'm with, with different board members and different people in the community, that's one of the things that I keep at the forefront. Uh, I try to stay authentic to who I am. It, it's not a matter of me code switching. It's just a matter of me giving you more or less vocabulary. That's just who I am and the way that I work. Um, you know, the, the message that I have when I'm sitting here talking to you is the same message that I would take when I'm speaking to city council, mm -hmm. city hall. Um, so, so that's, I guess, one of the things that I learned Another one that I would I would point out is, you know, represent. Uh, and hip hop representing where you're from is, is really important. Brooklyn, yeah. uh, <laughs> West Coast, East Coast, you know, we're from the South. That's really, really important, but even more so represent who you are. Uh, represent, you know, everything that, that made you who you are and brought you to this point. That's something that I learned in hip hop because one of the things that I remember about the 90s is I remember how people would get so upset because hip-hop had all of this profanity. Hip-hop had stories that were, were painful to listen to. And they said, man, this, this stuff is profane. Why, why would you let your kids listen to this kind of music? And a lot of the hip-hop artists back then said, this was my reality. Mm -hmm. Like, how dare you tell me that I can't sing? I can't write a song about where I came from. So, you know, representing who I am in an authentic way in order to get the work done. That's what I do, and that's how I think hip-hop um, influences me in some of the, the everyday work that I do. It's funny, because we were talking about uh, Super. Shout out to Super, and um, hopefully get him on this podcast soon, where uh, Superstition just put a new EP out. And it's great to see him do music now, because he kind of came from this perspective where... Over the years, he always like, yeah, man, I quit. I retire. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and it's like hip-hop is one of the things that I think we're going through now where, like, jazz musicians don't ever say they retire, right? Like, a nigga play the trumpet, a nigga die playing the trumpet. If somebody's a musician, you, you do that forever. You, like, you see it as an art form. There's no expiration date on it. And so one of the things I think was really dope being from South Carolina is I looked up to a lot of the North Carolina dudes that, that were making a lot of moves. And, like, Super was one of those guys. And I remember, you know, back in, God, it has to be 02, 03, when, when The Listening came out to see, yo, North Carolina musicians are doing some dope hip-hop stuff. I didn't think about it as, oh, North Carolina is separate from South Carolina. I thought about it from the perspective of it's Carolina, and we all are representing because we're all overlooked. I always felt like North Carolina and South Carolina was overlooked. So the idea of Little Brother coming back together, um, tell me about how do you feel about them, you know, I would say burying the hatchet and, and trying to come back and make some music after I, if you're like me, the, there were years when I just heard from, from multiple guys and a crew like, nah, this will never happen. So to see them put out personally, my favorite album of the year, how, how did that start? And when did you first hear from these guys that, yo, you know what? We might try to do this shit again. <laughs> 
Well, I'm not going to say when I first heard it because that might spark some some controversy. But, <laughs> but <clears throat> um, you know, what I'll say is the way that I feel now is similar to the way that I felt when The Listening came out. Mm. Um, and I, and I, this is something that I talked about when I was on stage with these guys during Hopscotch. But when The Listening came out, I thought that it perfectly captured where I was as a, as a human being at that point in my life. And I think that this album does the same thing. And that was something that, that, that I was missing when I was listening to, to Left Back. Now, knowing them on a personal level, I know why Left Back did not work. Mm. I know that they were upset. Um, but also knowing them on a, on a personal level, I know where each one of them are in their lives. Mm. And, you know, we all speak on, on, you know, about adult things. You know, we don't have conversations about music. Unless, you know, they might be dropping something, Tobe, I need work, I need some help with this, I need some help for that, with that. But a lot of times, it's our conversations are about, yeah, son, they got, just had to get such and such checked out. Or, mm-hmm. like, when we were down doing your event, ColaCon, mm-hmm. uh, Pooh and I sat at the bar and just talked about, you know, just, like, some different health stuff and talked about bourbons. And so that's what we're, those, that's what the conversations are like now at this point in our life. And I think that album perfectly captured that. Mm-hmm. So... You know, knowing what I, what I know about them, I think that uh, this was a good time for them to come out. Mm. I think that the way that they did it was great. I think that they owned every single piece of it, and you can hear both of them on the song. And, well, on the entire album, you can hear their collaborative effort. So, um, so, so that's my, my answer to that. You're so goddamn professional with this shit. It sounds like you've been doing this for a while. So <laughs> I, want, I want some of that like off-the-rails fucking hopscotch panel discussion shit because it's like these guys have been killing the, uh, the, the podcast circuit as far as since the album came out. I think Tay posted something like, since the album came out, they've done like over a hundred something podcast interviews, and I listened to the I listened to the Ebro shit. Yeah, I listened to uh, what was it uh, Premium Pete mm-hmm. and a few other joints. Um, what can you talk about from as a fan, and not to put you in the trouble, in the trouble, whatever? Like, how did you see the thing play out with all three members? Because I know from being in South Carolina, there was like it was real cool shit to see, like from little by little, where. You know, they had their thing where they went and working together, but then like Ninth would do something on on um Tay's album and then like he'll do something for Pooh, and then you'll see a picture of them together. Like it's kinda like seeing Jay and Dame take a picture together and you know what I'm saying? Even though I think that shit is over too, but right, still. Right, right. But so so when the album came out, we didn't I didn't see the credits when it came out. And I'm hearing records and I'm like, oh this shit sounds like ninth. Oh shit, you know. But you know, I'm a, you know, there's a lot of conspiracy theorists, and it's like if this wasn't intentional, intentional, this is just kind of what I saw, and it was no big deal. But it was like the the image of the cover of them sitting on the couch, and one guy on one side, one guy on the other side. Mm-hmm. It felt like to me, it was kind of a like not even a beef, but it was like, hey, you know, there's a missing space because Knife isn't here, and it wasn't, and it wasn't like a diss. It was more or less like the spirit of how this shit started is still there. And the more I hear them talk about it, after I saw the credits come out and that Ninth wasn't on the project, I listened to them talk about that situation. Um, how did you see it from a fan and probably being in the area? Because I'm kind of, you know, three hours away. How did you feel as a fan not seeing all three of them together? Did it bother you? Or is it something that you think can happen in the future? Or, you know, what, what do you think, is, is, from your perspective, is not just somebody that's cool, but somebody that's a fan? How did you feel about how that kind of played out? You know, it's, 
All right, so let me let me just pull this up. All right, so the thing that's important to, to, to understand in me answering this question is it's really hard for me to have the same perspective that, that a fan who was introduced to them through the listening would have because I was with them, you know, 99 when they weren't little brother. Yeah. <clears throat> I've never really... Gosh, I'm trying to think of a good way to say this. Just say it! <laughs> <laughs> um, you know... All three of them, I think, are, are incredible guys. I think they're all incredible artists. Um, you know, I can say Tay and Pooh are both, you know, incredible friends. Uh, me and Pooh have probably spent more time together than than the rest of them. Um, actually, I can't even say that. Nah, you know, but but from my perspective, Little Brother has always been a group, and people say this with two producers. The producer was Fonte from my vantage point. It has always been Fonte. Um, Fonte is the one that would hear the beat and say, how about we put together the song like this? These are my ideas. And that's the question I kind of had where I remember like years ago when there was an interview and, and Pooh was like, we actually produced the records. And they were speaking from a perspective outside of hip hop because usually in hip hop, niggas is like, yo, whoever made the beat, they're the producer. The producer right? You know what I'm saying? Right. But every other genre of music is like, nah, how whoever handles the structure and how it's split up, they're more of the producer of the project. So like that's kind of... Uh, to to kind of put that in perspective for people, like I think they will understand it more when they understand that. Where it's like, yeah, it does sound like the Pooh and Tay were producing the records from a traditional sense. Exactly, and and so for me, it's always been strange to hear that that argument of, wow, they're not really Little Brother without Ninth Wonder, mm-hmm. um, because I know that the first album when they put that together, that was them sitting down and they structured that album. A lot of that was Tay, and then Minstrel Show you know, sit down and they structure that album. And I remember the process was a lot of P is going to give them a bunch of beats. I remember sitting in the apartment with, with uh, Pooh one night. <clears throat> I think Sleepers had just come out. Mm-hmm. Either Sleepers had just come out or he was getting ready to put out Sleepers. Um, and he just had some beats from, from P. That's what it was. He picked the beats. And traditionally in hip hop, it's been, like you said, the person that makes the beat is the producer. But the thing that people don't understand was that was a collaborative effort. And if you listen to, again, if you listen to this album, this album is one that I think, this is their first album that I can hear both of their hands yeah. in the beat selection, yeah. in the content, and just, just the strength of the, the, the song. But the songs, but the, the CP not on it, I, I can't lie. It does hurt a little bit, but more so from the relationship standpoint. All right, we, I got to call you a North Carolina Durham hookup, known these niggas ass out, all right? So for the people that's listening, my two listeners, hey, mom, like, all right, when you kept saying P, niggas might be thinking you're saying Pete Rock. Oh. But but you but, but my thing is like you know ninth and that's his name is Patrick so like yeah, yeah that's that's you that's you be like yo I don't hang out with Obama he's Barry you know <laughs> so you, you just pulled you just pulled. so for the people that's listening and my mom's like who's ninth wonder like my mom right, right. side note it was really funny like I, there was a speaking of Pete Rock I did a cola con that was like a dance party and I brought Pete Rock and Black Milk. And the next day, I'm hanging out with Black Milk. I'm taking him around, right, you know, right. uh, have him go to the record store. Y'all, y'all left? Did y'all leave Pete at the restaurant? Uh, Pete, Pete, did y'all leave Pete Rock at the restaurant? I'll give you, I'll give you my Pete Rock story in a second. <laughs> that that's pretty incredible. It's an incredible Pete Rock story. But 
you know, my brother loved black milk. And so, like, I, like, called my brother and said, yo, my car's not working. I need you to come out here. And then when he showed up, I surprised him. It was me and milk. And we just went, <laughs> you know, so we went to a restaurant and hung out. And I told my mom, I was like, yo, yeah, I was hanging out with this producer named Black Milk. My mom said, Black Milk? Why couldn't it just be Sour Milk? What kind of name is this? You know what I mean? Like, you know, well, hey, hey, mama. Yeah, when you, when you hear names like Ice Cube and Ice Tea, you think that's going to be the, the trend, like Sour Milk, not yeah. Black. That's not really a thing. Side note, have you ever heard my Ice Tea impersonation? I have a feeling I'm about to hear it. Yo, 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 you know what I'm saying? My name is Ice-T, you know what I'm saying? I always had this idea to go to, um... Yo, you sound like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> yo, so, so always, so check this out. I wanted to do this shit <laughs> where... <laughs> I thought you were going to be bullshitting. I was no, like, oh, I take this shit serious. So check it out. I had this thing where I wanted to, like, send, like, a video into SNL, because... Cause like Keenan used to irritate me because he'll do all his like impersonations sound like half-ass Bill Cosby impersonations. Yeah. So I had like a few impersonations, and one of them I wanted to do this skit where it's iced tea selling iced teas. And the skit would be like, yo, 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 you know what I'm saying? It's iced tea with iced teas, you know what I'm saying? We got a bunch of motherfucking antioxidants and shit, you know what I'm saying? Help with your complexion. Yo, if you spend $12.99 right now, you get a calendar with my whole cocoa. And you get her in different colors, 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 right? And then there'll be, and then he'll promote a TV show. Yo, where, I, I have mixed feelings about all of this. There's something, something about this feels like it's not okay. Like, listen, he'll love it. So check it out. So then I thought it'd be really funny to have IC promote another Law and so Order this show. Is not okay. Yo, <laughs> wait till you. My whole Coco, like yo. That's, so many that's what he calls her. He so, calls his wife my dad. He calls his wife my whole Coco. Does it really go? All right, all right. He, he probably calls her my bitch. But wow. my whole Coco coming back. She's like, okay. You want another drink, Daddy? Oh God. But um. Oh. But then I wanted him to do like this whole thing. <laughs> this whole the thing. Shit, the worst the whole thing sounds. It sounds. Well, good thing we got two listeners. I see him coming after me. But um. Right. But like, I thought it'd be funny if him doing like a, another Law and Order, and it'd be like a Law and Order SUV. Yeah. And he'd be like, yo, 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 we got coming this far, Law and Order SUV. If somebody take your motherfucking sports utility vehicle, if you drive a forerunner, motherfucking expedition will find that shit. You know what I'm saying? Nah, they're not going to do that. That's not going to work. <laughs> I want to kill you so hard, I my dude. I think when the executives hear this, they're going to be like, this is not going to work. When they hear this, like, what if we do? No. Right. Absolutely not. <laughs> so here's my Pete Rock story. So Columbia, South Carolina is one of those places where we have a small airport, so we're not going to have a bunch of flights going in and out of, of New York to South Carolina. And a great thing that I learned as a programmer was I used to have to book flights for artists when I bring them in, in town. Mm-hmm. But when I started getting grant money, the grants didn't pay for travel. They only paid for the talent. Right. So what I did was I made artists give me the all-in price. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, yo, I played one price. Y'all take care of the hotels. Y'all take care of the travel. I'll pay for it, but just have this in the contract. And I say this because I didn't book his flights. So there was a guy that was his uh, tour manager guy, real cool guy, lived in Atlanta. Shout out to him. I ain't oh, calling yeah, his name. Yeah, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. That's, that's his guy. Like, well, well, right, right. So... I had to go pick Pete Rock up in this rented like like Escalade or whatever from from the hotel and take him to the airport, and I go pick him up, 
And the dude comes to the car. And he's like, yo, Pete's not here yet. And he's still asleep. He's not waking up. And I was like, oh, okay. And I'm waiting in the car. And he's like, he's beating on the door. He's beating on the door. And he's like, I don't know what to do. Finally, Pete Rock comes to the car. And he's pissed. He's like, yo, this motherfucker got me waking up. Like, I got another show. I, you know, I'm trying to sleep. <clears throat> and so P-Rock is cussing this dude out. Yeah. Right? Railing him out. <clears throat> And it's the most uncomfortable 15-minute drive. I'm trying to turn on ESPN radio and ignore it the whole time. Yeah, I've never, I have never seen Pete Rock mad. I've known this dude for years. I've never seen him, like, with that kind of energy. Well, don't wake his ass up too early because he was, I mean, he was yelling at this dude. I'm up here. My hands are on the steering wheel at 10 and 2. I'm terrified. Finally, I get to the airport. And I was like, yo, man, it's a pleasure. It's an honor to have you here. Hopefully, you can get on the flight and get some rest. He looked at the dude. He's like, nah, you know, I want to get rest in a bed. You fucking feel me? A bed. Oh, you know, shoot. yo, it was so uncomfortable. Wow. And so, like, a week later, I talked to the dude. And I was like, yo, man, you know, I wanted to talk to Pete about doing some, some work or whatever, whatever. You told me to go through you. And he was just like, oh, um, me, me and Pete, we, we're, not, we're not really working together no more. And I felt like that was my. Was, was this like three years ago? Three, this, four years ago? It had to be like 2014, 2015, something like that. Yeah, I remember this. <laughs> so you heard about this? Yeah, I did hear about this. I did hear about this. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's why I was like, that's his guy. But then I remember we actually did some business, and I remember seeing his name crossed out on the contract. <laughs> yeah, I'm responsible for that. I think that Yo. show. And I swear to God, this is as terrible as I, as I am. The first thing that ran through my mind was, I was like, I'm glad I didn't book this nigga's flight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, Pete, Pete's a good dude, man. You know, he came down and did a uh, show for us here in Durham during Black Wall Street Homecoming and spoke to the kids with, uh, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Phil, Phil Freelon. He just passed away. Mm-hmm. Big, yeah. big architect. His son. Um, the African-American National Museum in uh, D.C. Right. Yeah. Smithsonian. So his son is is a guy by the name of Pierce Freelon, who's also the you know the leader of a group called the Beast, as well as the founder of an organization slash space called Black Space. Mm-hmm. And so Pete came and spoke to the kids at Black Space, and that cat after he did it, his face was just lit up. Mm. Yo, I didn't know that Pete loved kids like that, man. Wow. Yeah, like he loved it. I mean, we've got some video. There's some on YouTube on the Black Wall Street's YouTube, but. Dude is amazing with kids. Amazing. And they had an incredible conversation about hip-hop, you know, it being relevant, and then ageism in hip-hop. Mm-hmm. They talked about that, which is big now because I love how Charlamagne always talks about adult contemporary hip-hop. Yeah, everybody got a birthday. But if you listen to, like, the Little Brother album, listen mm-hmm. to 444, like that, I love that. Yeah. Even De La's album. You know, their last album, I love their last album. They had songs where they didn't start rapping until the last, you know, 60 seconds of the song. And, and it's funny as you say that, because while you were talking about the dynamic of, uh, of Little Brother, when it dawned on me, when you were saying that, I was like, you know, Little Brother, they're De La Soul. Yeah. Because when you got three feet high up until, I guess, Balloon Mind State, Prince Paul was the producer that was associated with the group. And then after that, you have the introduction of Dilla. You have you know other other producers coming into in there. Daylight didn't stop. You know what I'm saying? And so like when you think about you know somebody like a group like Daylight, like Prince Paul might have been there to kind of help with 
the foundation of the crew, but they continue that on. And I think that if, if the public can understand Little Brother from that perspective, I think it's dope. And I think it's also dope to see, yo, man, it's three black niggas from North Carolina doing some shit where you see what Ninth is doing with Rhapsody, with all the stuff that's going on, which I'm almost certain that album's going to be nominated for a Grammy again. You know what I'm saying? Or, or going to the Smithsonian um, in D.C. and they got the whole, have you been to that joint yet? I haven't. So they have this section in the music section. They got like stuff from, you know, Jay Dilla's MPC in there to the mothership in there. And they have like a production section where you can make a beat and like you look at a screen and it's Ninth Wonder. You know what I'm saying? And Rhapsody is on it. You know what I'm saying? And so like there's a level of I think hip hop is getting to that point where it's understanding that you can grow up in the culture as opposed to. It's eating its young. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Where, like, the older you get, we fucking hate you. You know what I mean? Right. So. Right. I mean, you know, to be real, that's part of the reason why, whenever I talk to people about the situation between Tay Pooh and Pete, it's, it's a situation. <laughs> Ninth. <laughs> Excuse me. Pete Rock. He's yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it, the situation is this. Like, I know what his role was in the group when they did the listening, mm-hmm. as well as the minstrel show. And I know what his role was in the group when he did those other songs, but that's part of the reason why it doesn't upset me because when me and Mace, Maceo from De La Soul. Let's just see, you gotta, you gotta specify my listeners. My mama loves Mace. Hey, mama. <laughs> so, me and Mace, we were chopping it up, and, and we were just having a private conversation. Uh, last time I saw him, he told me about, Pete, uh, about uh, Prince Paul's role. Mm. Prince Paul came in and showed them how to really put songs together. Mm. You know, he was, in fact, producing the songs. Like, he came to them, uh, like, Mace came to them with really rough, rough uh, ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what me, myself, and, and I was. It was a rough, rough idea. Prince Paul took it and said, boom, let's fix it up. Let's let's change it up right here, put in a chorus, do this, that, and the other, and gave him song structure. So it really was a production role. And with P, it was more so giving him beats. Now, with all that being said, the man, you can't take anything away from what he has done with Rhapsody. Yeah. You can't take anything away from the beats that he gave Little Brother. The beats were fire. His music is dope. The tracks that, you know, Rhapsody's last album is still in my rotation. Yeah. And, and to see him on that stage where he's in the museum, yeah. to see him doing songs for, for TV and things like that, that is incredible. So I, I don't think you can really, and that's what I think some of the fans are, are searching for. They're searching for him to be discredited, but you can't discredit that. He's he's still dope. Tay is dope. Pooh is dope. Little brother is dope now, and it was dope then, and they have issues. They yeah. can't work together. It doesn't work, and that's okay. Let it let it be. From what you from what you heard, were they trying like the Tay say that they did some records with with with, uh, with Ninth? Yeah. Like what like how far were they along to your knowledge before they started over? They had some beats. Um, they had they had a nice amount of, of tracks from them, um, and I think they had done like maybe two or three songs together, and then it just it just wasn't working out. Um, I mean, you can go out there and hear it from Tay and Pooh on what played out. I'm not going to tell their story, but yeah, they had done some some tracks together, and it just didn't work out. So they gave them back, and you know, went on about their business. So, outside of um, well, I guess like. Your involvement here is, is, I think what you could be, if you didn't think about it, you've seen that documentary on Netflix, uh, it's called The Black Godfather. <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, but it's like, it's basically some guy that's like, you know, 
he's just the connective tissue with a lot of this dope stuff. So it's yeah. not necessarily he's not necessarily a manager. He's not necessarily just somebody that's a producer. He's just somebody that's kind of involved with a lot of this stuff. So right, right. so outside like LB, what things have you done in like the hip hop scene kind of that people might not know uh, that you've been involved in? So like I know um, uh, as far as the Foreign Exchange album, did you take pictures at the the wedding? Was yeah. that okay for for uh, Leave It All Behind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, so me and Nick met. I don't know how me and Nick met, but as he, he means Nicolay, not Nicholas Cage. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, this is how I talk. I'm sorry. So Nicolay, let me. You know what? I gotta remember. I'm sitting in a living room right now. I keep forgetting that I'm on the radio. But anyway, so so Nicolay from the Foreign Exchange uh, and his back then his fiance asked me to take pictures of their wedding, and so I took pictures at their wedding. And one day Tay was sitting there going through the pictures and settled on this one. And we decided that was going to be the cover for their second album. And then we, we what, what happened from there is I wanted to build the theme, the visual theme around um, this, this sense of, of noir and black and white. And the cover, what made the cover even more interesting was because the cover was supposed to symbolize both a wedding and a funeral at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was supposed to be leaving it all behind from the sense of death as well as the sense of living. Um, but it, you know, yeah, I did a bunch of album covers back then, a lot of mixtape covers, worked with Cahill. Um, the very first iteration of um, Sean P's, uh, that's my guy. Um, what was the what was the joint? Oh, for whatever reason, whenever I think about this album, I always think about the Black Godfather because that was the idea he he wanted. Jesus Price, uh, Jesus Price Superstar. Yeah, Jesus yeah. Price Superstar. So um, I was working with him on Jesus Price Superstar, and then oh. Drew High came in and was like, yo, I already got a cover. And so we're sitting here in North Carolina like, damn. You know, because we had this whole idea. My man W was going to do the art. Uh, Connective Tissue, W. Uh, Art, beats, and lyrics. A lot of people have heard about that. Um, You know, him and I were having early conversations about that. Well, Jack Honey now is a nationally renowned traveling art exhibition, one of the dopest things in the world. He means Jack Daniels Honey, not Jack Honey, like it's a porn star. Get off a porn hub, you're typing in Jack Honey. That do sound like a fine bitch, though. But like, <laughs> Jack Honey is, is the drink. Uh, honey, Proceed. Honey gold. Anyway, <laughs> so so yeah, so so that's, I guess, you know, again, speaking about connective tissue, Maceo De La, really good friend of mine. Um, you know, me and him text a few times a week or so. Uh, really, really good guy. Um, I used to do music, so I was a rapper. I, I guess I still do from time to time. I hate to say that I've given up and, and stopped. I haven't really given up because I was never really an attempt to do anything. We did it as an act of expression. We still do. Uh, and I still do that. Um, gosh, there's so much. Oh, Jay Gunn. What am I thinking? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of people are, are familiar with Jay Gunn. If you were in North Carolina years and years and years ago and in on the scene, you probably knew about, knew about his group, uh, what was it, 3D? Mm-hmm. Third day or 3D? Third day? Um, so he was doing that, which they got you know production from Ninth Wonder back then. Worked with Dame Dash, and now he's running for city council, so I'm helping him with some of that stuff, some of the city council work. So what was your rap name? Oh, man. So anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I make it simpler. Um, oh, another, another fun fact. If we're talking about fun facts, so uh, one of Rhapsody's first photo shoots as Rhapsody mm. as a solo artist um, I did a, oh man uh, I probably have more photos of Rhapsody and it sounds horrible mm. but I have thousands and thousands of pictures of Rhapsody because we were trying to figure out her look 
back mm-hmm. then. Okay. So, you know, we had multiple photo shoots trying to figure out what are, what is it going to be? You know, do we stay true to their style? How do we take our style and evolve it? So, you know, a lot of people are fans of Rhapsody. Oh, and it's funny, I'm sitting here having a casual conversation today about how me and um, Jid and Earth Gang and Pooh went out one night, and I didn't realize how big of a deal they were. Yeah. I'm talking about it, yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. I'm, I'm, talking to, I'm talking today to my staff, and, and, I, and the girls, they, they, their eyes lit up. They was like, you know Jid? And I was like, I don't really know him. Like, we all hung out, like, earlier this year. So, yeah, I mean, there's, like, a lot of little strings. Like, when you go deeper and deeper, you start seeing, like, you know, threads to, to people that may be famous, may not be famous, so on and so forth. So, I'm going I'm to hold your feet to the fire. How many episodes of your podcast do you have? That I have aired and, and not aired altogether? That you've aired, nigger. Oh, I've only aired probably three or four. You need to get on that because as much <laughs> connections that you have... Look, there should be no reason I got 30-something episodes and I don't talk about shit. Like, I just talk about niggers and porn stars. Right, right. <laughs> well, see, part, part of that is because our, our podcast is not just a... It's not just a, a podcast. It's actually a study. Mm. So this is part of a research study we're doing on how the creative economy affects uh, economic development. So that's why you see people like Desana Hanu and then, you know, Fonte, and then we'll flip it and it'll be my man, Matty Beeson from Matty Bees. Ah. So so we're, we're discussing how creative uh, companies and, and creators affect um, the economic development of a city or of a space, and they, they attract businesses and people to an area. Word. So, um, preachjacobs at gmail.com. That's my email because you must not have had my email because I didn't get any invited to the podcast. Mm. So I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I mean, well, uh, well, 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 well. <laughs> I'm fucking with you. <laughs> We're going to do this. Let's, let's go ahead and do this. Uh-oh. So, Uh-oh. yeah. So, so I remember when, when Preach came to Durham. Uh-oh. Uh, we talked about this whole aspect of him. Something's happening with this, with this podcast. Yeah. You know, being on my podcast as well as me being on his podcast. And so we've actually wrapped with uh, the first season of Conversations. But we're going to come back and do it again. We're just going to do, it's going to be another, a different thesis. So. 2021. No, it'll be, it'll be 2020. It'll be, it'll be 2020. It'll be 2020. But, but no, nah, it'll be dope, man. I mean, you know, it's, it's been fun sitting around talking to people about, you know, creativity and design and art and then the resources that people need in order to move their companies forward. And, and actually thinking about these crafts, these things that they love as businesses. Yeah. You know, that's something that, that people don't do. You don't have enough artists out there thinking of their work that they produce as part of a business. Absolutely. I think we were, we were having a conversation earlier. We was making some music upstairs and we were talking about like how, you know, British folks have like, they're like a lot of the great actors and actresses come out of London. And I'm like, you know, it's probably because in their culture, they treat acting as if it's a noble profession. You know what I'm saying? Like the same way that your parents here would treat a doctor or a lawyer. You in London and you say, you know what, father, I'm going to become an actor. It's like, cheerio, that's really great. You know what I mean? Like they treat, they treat that shit with the same respect. And exactly. I, think, I think that a city or a community that treat art like it's vital and it's important makes the city great and strong, you know? Right. Um, well, can I, can I say something to that yeah. real quick? <clears throat> That's why, for me, it was so important coming out um, when, with Complex for us to be taken so seriously. Absolutely. That was one of the reasons, yeah, you're going to get invoiced. Exactly. Um, I, I never get, forget, me and Doe had one of the worst, loudest arguments you've probably ever heard because I gave him an invoice. 
And <laughs> let's, hear, let's hear about this. Well, no, I wasn't that bad. <laughs> what, what it was, it was really more so of a matter of us, you know, we were both learning from each other. We're learning business. Yeah. Like, like Doe didn't really know what he was doing. He's learning on the go, and I'm learning on the go as it's well. Like, this bullshit. Exactly. That's what it was. <laughs> it, that's what it was. But, but you know what, though? The thing is, what, what people started to do is they weren't looking at me as a graphic designer anymore. They were looking at me as part of a company. You know, it, w- it was no longer, oh, Tobias can design that or Tobias can do this. It was, oh, you need to go to Complex. Mm-hmm. And that's how we wanted to change that narrative. And that's an example of the type of way we want artists to command respect when they're handling business. We want you to be in command. Mm-hmm. You need to be in command. Um, you need to be in command and you need to be in demand. But in addition to that, you need to also handle your business. Spell complex so people don't treat it like it's the regular website that folks go to for the sports news and you know pop shit. Spell complex for the folks. Tell us the website and where people can find you. It's complex. It's K O M P L E K S and the word creative C R E A T I V E dot com. And you can find us there, honestly. You can find a way to get to all my social media from complex if you look. And uh, as well as the company's social media. So follow us. Um, dope stuff I'm working on. Right now we have the Black Wall Street Homecoming coming up at the end of September, uh, which is going to be the precursor to the Art of Cool Music Festival, which is going to be that Friday and Saturday. So that's one dope thing we're working on. Um, outside of that, the affordable housing bond. I'm not going to get into that. Just what I will say is everyone needs to do their research on that if you're in Durham. Uh, in the city of Durham, because that's going to be on the ballot in November. I've been doing work on that just to make sure people are informed, so please do that. Um, And other dope stuff I'm working on is if you are a very, very talented web developer or graphic designer, please apply at that website that I mentioned before. So um, the the Black Wall Street joint, tell tell me more about that event. That sounds like something that's an artist's dream that's in the area. What what is it? uh, what's, What's going on with it? What does it partake Right. So one thing that I did not say is uh, Complex Creative, my company, actually sits on Paris Street in Durham, North Carolina, which is also known as Black Wall Street. So a lot of people, when they hear about that, they know about the tragedy in uh, Greenwood Mm -hmm. in Tulsa. And so people know about that just because of the tragedy, unfortunately. But what they don't know is that Durham, North Carolina was the home of the largest black-owned business in the entire nation, which was North Carolina Mutual Life Insurance, a company that my grandfather used to uh, work for. That legacy, um, that legacy to uh, sit down and say, you know what, I want to start a college or an insurance company or a bank and just to do it, because that's what they did, is what we're using to inspire a new generation of entrepreneurs. So if you want to have, if you want to build a startup, a tech startup or an agricultural startup, or if you want to do something that's in, in cannabis or hemp or whatever the case may be, if you go into it with those fundamentals that those wolves of, Wall, of Black Wall Street used when they did those things, mm-hmm. then you're going to win. And so that's why we hold this conference. So we're giving people jewels and as it pertains to business and, and you know creativity, uh, networking, and then giving people an opportunity to expand their network and, and to build capital um, assets or, or capital network assets when they come in because we're going to have investors and venture capitalists there. So that's what Black Wall Street Homecoming is about. You know, I saw something there was a study that said that black women percentage-wise are lapping black men as far as starting mm-hmm. businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as a business, your own, someone that's, you know, going on the limb and done your own thing, what are some of the things that you see that, that you know, people of color and, and a lot of times us, what holds us back? 
from from taking that leap of whatever you want to do to be able to say, hey, I can kind of do this myself, whether you're a musician, whether you're an artist, but especially musicians and artists because it's kind of your wheelhouse. But what are some of the hesitations and what kept you from hesitating and just say, fuck it, let's do it? I think what people fail to do is they fail to realize how much of a resource or excuse me, how much of an asset they are mm. to to the world. People don't realize, you know, all the things that they have, all these things that, that make them who they are, are their unique value propositions as they go into business. Mm-hmm. I knew that no matter what, and I learned this in hip hop. You asked me earlier about some things that I learned in hip hop, and this is one of the things that I learned when I was rhyming. But I knew that if you were going to sit here and battle me, mm-hmm. you're not going to fuck with me. There is no way you're going to be able to do the shit that I do on the microphone. Right. So the same thing with business. You don't want to fuck with me when it comes to business. You don't want to take pictures like me. They can't do the shit that I do. Same thing with Chris. Mm-hmm. The same thing. Same thing for you. Mm-hmm. You know, no one can do what you do. And that was what gave me the fuel to go ahead and do what it is that I do now. I think that's one of the things people forget about. They say, oh, man, no, I can't do this thing. There are people out here doing this thing already. If you read books on business, they tell you that that is one of the four value propositions that are out there. Mm-hmm. When there is, it is not a unique product or service, but you think that you have a better quality or you have a unique uh, combination of, of, of things, whatever the case may be, but you can still go into business and do those things. So I think that's another thing that we don't do. Research. Yeah. You want to have a restaurant. If you want to have a restaurant, the best thing for you to do is to learn how a fucking restaurant works. Yeah. You know, if you want to have a food truck, Go and work for a food truck. Uh, go and ask questions. Learn how the business works. That's another thing that I don't see. And then the, the other thing with that is you, you have to stop letting things hold you back. A lot of people let the fact that they don't have access to capital hold them back. My company was 100% bootstrapped. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anyone invest in my company. What I invested in was, uh, what I had was my paycheck that I got and the fact that I knew that in order for my company to make money, I needed to go out there and make the money. Absolutely. So me going out there and making the money is what fueled the company. So those are the things that I think people do, and they plan too much. Planning is great, but if you send, if you spend eight years working on one business plan, something is wrong. Absolutely. I had a client with an incredible idea back in 2007. Excuse me, 2008. Incredible idea. And he was working on the business plan, working on it. We did the logo and everything. You know, he worked on his stuff for so long that Foursquare came along, uh, succeed, succeeded and failed. And then other companies came along doing the same thing he's doing. And now it's, it's a, a thing that everyone just expects to see when they open up their Google Maps and you see, oh, there's a restaurant. Oh, there's a gas station. Yeah. He was working on that back then, but he spent forever and a day working on his business plan. Yeah, this is the same what's uh, analysis, um, paralysis by analysis. Niggas is thinking too much about it. Right. Which is kind of dope because, like, you're talking about, like, you know, your ability to be a rapper. I was like, I can see you, like, in a board meeting and something's, like, acting up and you just, like, got a suit and tie on and all of a sudden you just jump on the table and just start rapping. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. Can your CEO drop 16, nigga? No. <laughs> but but one, one, thing, one other thing with that is, the other thing is, for whatever reason, when we do things, we're afraid to fail. And, you know, a lot of these white boys, they're out here failing over and over again, and, and they're, getting, they're given the opportunity to go and, and do it again. And for whatever reason, we're incredibly afraid to, to fail. We're afraid to make a mistake. 
And I don't know if that has something to do with the way that they're raised, if that's a cultural thing, or if it's just something that hasn't been given to us as a jewel when we're growing up. I think black folks have this idea that, oh, if I get an opportunity and I fuck it up, I'm not going to get another one. Where you got, how many like white coaches in the NFL, they get fired from a job, they get another job a year later. You know what I'm saying? So there's always this thing with us where we always like, I, I sure can't mess this up. You know what I mean? Right, right, you know? And right. so, so I think that, I think that uh, what you're doing is very, very vital to the community and as an asset to just artists. And just to see somebody like you that is involved in doing great things business-wise that also has an ear for hip-hop that's relatable. I think that's really important. So I got two questions before I get you out of here and we can go upstairs and listen to some beats. Uh, I want a Sean Price story that nobody knows and I need a Little Brother story. Because like since Little Brother's doing like you know 150 podcast interviews, what up, Tay, what up, who? Um, I want something that, that, that we can have for this for my two listeners. Hey, Mom, what you got? Uh, Sean P's story. I'll tell you a story he told me. Um, he said he was getting, <laughs> Damn, this is hilarious. It's not that funny. It's messed up. So he said that he was getting locked up for some reason and they were going through processing. So he's getting processed and he hears all this commotion in the back in the other room. And all he hears is just like, yo, get off me. Get off me. New world order. Y'all not putting microchips in me. And P said, he was just like, like imagine Sean P's face, like the way he looks, he's telling me this story. So he's sitting up there, getting processed, doing the thumbprint, just like, I know what I'm doing. I've been here before. He turns around and looks. And my man, old dirty bastard is in there getting processed. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, Sean P, they're trying to put Michael Chips in me. I was just like, yo. I said, I said, P, what was wrong with him? He was like, man, I ain't saying what's wrong with him, but he was like, <laughs> And so, so, I mean, that's that's one, that's one story Pete told me. Um, yeah, man. I mean, they, those cats, the stories he used to tell, man, it was like when he was here, it was just story time. I mean, it was crazy. And then Little Brother, um, it's, not a, it's not a funny story. It was just a, an interesting thing that, that we just realized. But um, I, I just found out that I was one of the first people to introduce them as Little Brother. Oh, wow. Yeah, just we just found this out because... So I used to be on the radio back in college. Um, what was your radio name? I had a name. It was Tobias. <laughs> Tobias. <laughs> nah, I didn't tell you what. Nah, because you know. T Daddy. <laughs> that's not too far away from what it was. This is the funny. The thing about it, like, what's that? 99, 2000, 2000, 2001. I think this was 2001. It was either 2000 or 2001. And so they had a group before called Gimme with, with Sean Dawn or Finn the DJ. Yeah. And so it was, it was all three of them plus him. And then he left. He went to New York. And I remember him, me and him used to talk all the time because he was the first one that I met. He was on AOL Instant Messenger. And so while we're talking, it's like all this stuff is starting to bubble. And uh, they were like, yo, we got to do this thing now called Get to Know You Sundays mm. at, at Central. And I said, all right, so what does that mean? He says, that means you need to come out here and you're going to have to host this show mm. at the Union on Sunday. Like, you got to think. You in college, you don't want to do shit on Sundays. You want to sleep. I'm just like, nah, I'm, I'm not. Okay, I'll do it. It was my man, Truett. Uh, <laughs> Truett had us out there, me and my girl, Nicole. Nicole is actually on the news in Utah now doing this thing. We had to host this crazy talent show. And then it was like the feature performer, Little Brother. And I'm like, who the fuck is Little Brother? <laughs> what is his name? That is the, who is that? 
And here comes Pooh, Tay, and P performing Speed. Wow. They're performing Speed at the Union in front of maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe 80 people, if that. Wow. You know, so there, and so then they take this funny picture at the union, and I'm trying. I was trying to find a picture the other day, but it's it's like Fonte and Pooh, you know, locking hands, and then under them is like ninth through this prison pose. I was like, yo, I gotta find that shit. I got to find that shit, yo. I gotta, yeah. So it's it was just a funny thing, and and then you know, it's just so much stuff. Just if I were to tell you, you'd be like, damn, that happened. That happened. That's crazy. You know, me and Pooh being in class, he was behind me. He was like, yo, uh, we need a website. And it's like, all right, when do y'all need it by? We need an ASAP. All right, it's $600. Ooh, that's a little steep. <laughs> that was a real conversation me and Pooh had. In college, so Slop did it. Shout out to Shop yeah, to Slop. Yeah, slop, <laughs> slop did the podcast a few episodes ago, and we talked, we talked about that too. Yeah, yeah he, he did the website, the first website. So shout out to Slop. That's my man, though. Um... Yeah, man, this is so many stories over there. I could, ooh, I can't tell you that one. Come on, nah, it was just, it just, it, this is all I'm gonna say. And and you tell me the shit when you tell, you tell me. I'm gonna tell you offline, but yeah, it was just during, uh, it was before Pooh got married. Mm. That's one thing. That's what I can say. Mm, spicy. <laughs> nah, Tracy, Tracy. No, it's nothing like that. It's not. It was. It was part. It was. It was something that was sweet and it was for you. But it, DJ T Daddy, she's not gonna listen to this fucking podcast. Like I'm not worried. She ain't listening to this. <laughs> Look, when I joke that my mama listens, my mom don't listen to this. I can talk shit about anybody. They'll right, never hear it. Hey, you said this thing. Yeah, we, we found it. No, we found it. No, nah. it's not happening. Cause like you know, podcasts a lot of times is sort of like. This gum is delicious. Yeah, take a look. Like, podcasts are kind of like, you know, uh, guys, and like, well, you know. How high are you right now? You're high as fuck right now. <laughs> I, I, I swear to drunk, I'm not, I'm not God. Um, Eyes <laughs> bloodshot. I'm doing podcasts, nigga. Look at that nigga doing that podcast. <laughs> and at minute 49 and 11 seconds, <laughs> Tobias lets himself go. DJ T Daddy. What's the DJ name? Come on, we gotta know the DJ name. Come on, come on. Tobias Rose. You probably had a DJ name that has something to play on with the Rose, though, right? No. No? Absolutely not. Come on, what's the name, man? You gotta have the DJ name. Come on, come on. Priest Jacobs. That's a terrible name. That's an awful. My name is a fucking verb. <laughs> Nah, man. It was fun. We, you know, it, it was fun doing that, man. So we did that joint, and then uh, just it was an interesting time back then, man. We didn't know. I didn't know what was happening. I just knew my homegirl was in a music video with Erica Badu, and I thought that was the highlight of somebody I know being anywhere close to being famous. So, last question: Looking at you, those years, those college years. If you now could give that nigga some advice, what would you tell him? Mm. My college years. Like which part? Like beginning of the college years or the end of them? Like two two different people. Let's, yeah, well, let's, let's do let's do TB one, TB two. All right, the guy in the beginning, I would tell him, you know, uh, it's okay. You know, you all that dope shit that you used to like to talk about, all that stuff. There are people up here that are gonna be into that. You know, the fact that you are a hip hop head, you like math, science, engineering, 
uh, art and it sounds like you're a fucking nerd is okay because there are people that think that black nerds are dope. So keep doing what it is that you're doing. Um, have a lot of sex. <laughs> have a lot. Appa- apparently, apparently, you are cute. I have heard this. You are cute. <laughs> Fuck everything. Balls deep. Long strokes. They like them long. They like it when you go in and out long and slow. All right? You do that. All right? Don't spend too much time around the clit. All right. So, second half. (laughs) That's that's just the first half. (laughs) Second half. You got to learn how to drop these chicks quicker. You are, are, are stringing these girls along that you don't really care for. You need to drop them. Drop them, drop them, drop them. Fuck them and drop them. Fuck them and drop them. Drop them, drop them. Fuck them and drop them. Drop them, drop them. Fuck them and drop them. Drop them, drop them. Fuck them and drop them. You got to drop them. Drop them. Fuck them and drop them. You got to drop them. Drop them. Fuck them and drop them. You know what I'm saying? And then, and then this other thing, you need to you need to pay all your bills on time because this is the thing. If you keep fucking up, you're going to fuck up all your credit. All of it. So I need you to pay all that shit on time so that when you get a little older, you don't have to go back and try to fix and clean all that shit up. All right. Um, and then just don't take life so seriously. Have more fun. So that's what I would say to that guy. Well, all I was waiting for is somebody to go, hey, during that uh, song just now. <laughs> so, all right. I guess, I, what the fuck do you say to something like that? So, so ladies that, um, that were dropped too late, <laughs> too late in the process. We're sorry that he didn't drop you sooner, but I'm sure you guys are having a lovely, great life right now. You gotta fuck drop, fuck him, drop. You gotta fuck drop, fuck him, drop. You gotta next episode of Diana Save My Life. You try, you guttle butt like that shit was hilarious. Is that is that Pooh doing the dad's voice? I figured it out and I forgot because I was listening one day. I was like, "Oh shit!" I, I finally because it's the same person that did the minstrel show, yeah. and I, I never I asked. That, I always thought that was Pooh doing the voice, but okay. Come no, coming out here, <laughs> coming out here. <laughs> looking all crazy on this TV, boy. What's wrong with you, Garnell? <laughs> like, yo, Garnell, <laughs> Garnell. I don't know whose voice is. Lord Jesus, and I'm the high one. Um, give everybody, <laughs> give everybody your. Uh, your contacts, your your Instagram, Facebook, all the good shit for people that want to get an invoice that they're going to say is too much and they send the work to Slop instead. Uh, <laughs> how do people get in touch uh, with you? Slop, like, again, like I said, shout out to Slop. Slop, you my man. Um, looking forward to coming to Miami, so I might see you down there when I come down there. But find me on Instagram and a lot of my social media, Tobias underscore Rose or Complex, K-O-M-P-L-E-K-S underscore Tobias. That's pretty much everything. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. I'm on all the things. This thing is actually on LinkedIn. Goddamn, you're professional. I'm on LinkedIn. I am. I have to be. Believe it or not, I'm, I have to be a, a professional guy sometimes. Um, so yeah, find me there. Hit me up if you if you need something, um, and and let's work. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Negro League Podcast. I go by the name of Preach Jacobs. You can find me on all my shit. Preach Jacobs. Uh, I don't know how this is going to sound, so if it sounds a little bit different, uh, thank you guys for listening this long to all this niggerdom that we had in here. We shared one microphone like the Temptations. I hope the stuff that you heard, you can enjoy it and you can apply it. If nothing else, 
You gotta fuck him and drop him. That's the name of this episode. Every episode, I gotta find a name. But um, but uh, we're sponsored by Mo Better Soul Clothing. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, she ain't listening. <laughs> After five minutes in, she said, "Oh, son, it was great." <laughs> My mama would listen. She would listen to it all. I'm sorry. Make me, make me feel bad. Why you gotta cuss like that? I'm gonna have on the next episode. This is not the boy I raised. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Is it cool? <laughs> so it, it'll be like an after-school special. Jesus! You don't have to do that to be cool. <laughs> you don't have to do that to be cool, baby. It'd be like some like athlete or musician. Wow, MC Hammer from the song. You can't touch this. You know, like. <laughs> you don't have. To hey, have little to man. <laughs> you don't have to use so much profanity. Oh you know my man. gosh! Well, motherfuckers. Um, <laughs> So uh, go to mobetasoul.bigcartel.com, enter the code NEGRO. Uh, shout out to the homie Chris, who who's on camera duty um, and letting us do all this niggerdom in here. Shout out to the gum provider um, and, our, and our, our, our sleepy dog that's in the building. We go, this is the Negro League Podcast. Thank you all so, so much. I am pretty, pretty slizzard on some vodka. So, mommy, I'm so sorry. <laughs> we got to get the fuck out of here. Thank you all for listening. Yeah.
mental Still can't believe Nipsey's gone The marathon continues Yeah That's why I call my thing a marathon Yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie and, and, and portray um, This ultimate poise Like I've been, had it figured out Nah, I just didn't quit That's the only distinguishing quality For me and probably whoever else Going through this Or went through this Or is gonna go through this Is that I ain't quit I went through every emotion I went through every emotion with trying to pursue what I'm doing, you know what I mean? And I think that what's what going to separate whoever's going to try to go for something is that you ain't going to quit. You know, you're going to really take the stance if I'm going to die behind what I'm, what I'm getting at right now.